Uh, good evening and thank you so much everyone. You're welcome to another edition of the Candid Talk podcast. Um, today we are, uh, we've got uh, Tola uh, as a guest of ours today. Um, Tola is an anti-money uh, laundering uh, expert and uh, has, who has got a lot of interest in, in various uh, fields as well like music um, and various other spots, uh, various other sections really, I don't know, I, I'm losing my words, but she she has a varied uh, um, range of interests. Um, she's also a social uh, commentator as well. Um, today we're going to be speaking to uh, Tola on just a few things around cryptocurrency and also uh, her views on uh, feminism and um to kick this off the, uh, to sorry i'm getting ahead of myself here i'm here today with my usual guest um Mondiu, with my usual mm. talk host sorry uh, Mondiu. Mm. and um Mondiu, say hi to everyone hi everyone tola nice to have you on the show tola you're welcome to the show thank you for having me thank you thank, thank you. you great so we'll just get some as quickly as possible so um, i'm going to start uh, from a cryptocurrency uh, point of view, basically. Um, so I'll start by asking, Tala, what, what actually uh, attracted you to um, cryptocurrency in the first place? I know this is one of the things that has that you're known for on social media. Um, making money, that's it. Making money, making money and the new technology, but mostly making money, yeah. And that's what drew me in, yeah. That's shot on sweet. So when mm-hmm. <laughs> that's absolutely fine. So um when 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 was this, you know, and what was it that actually I know I know you say it was making money, but what 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 um if what exactly was it that so for example, I know that there are a few people on my timeline on Twitter, I think one of them mm-hmm. was yourself as well, uh, mm-hmm. that led me to you know, into my own journey and cryptocurrency as well. Um, so what was it exactly? Was it someone that you saw that was doing really well in the cryptocurrency uh, that made you jump in or what, what, what was what was the... So so my friend Lotana, better known as Sugarbelly, was oh. already trading. No, she's a, she's a tech head, so she's, she works <laughs> in the tech space. Yeah. She was already trading, so we just started talking about it, like, oh, buy XRP, oh, buy this one, buy that one. And she sort of just showed me the ropes and showed me the possibility of making a lot with a little if you're lucky. And I was like, yeah, okay, I've got a, I've got some spare change. Let me see how I go with this. So that was 2017. I didn't really understand what I was doing, but I, I knew I could make some money. So I, at a point, I made eight bitcoins. I lost them all because I didn't understand what I was doing. Wow. You know, 2017 was a crazy time. The markets went nuts. You could, like, people were millionaires overnight. And me, I was just, me, she and I were basically just feeling our way around in the dark. So as much money as we made, we lost everything. <laughs> you know what I mean? So that was a time for me to learn the game. Really. And that was a good learning experience. So I've taken what I learned from that time and I've sort of just applied it going forward. So yeah, Sugar Belly is the one that got me into crypto. Oh wow, that's that's yeah. that's uh, uh, yeah that's wow that yeah two thousand was a crazy year you know I've looked at um I looked at a few so I looked at um the historical price of uh, twenty eighteen you meant or oh, sorry twenty seventeen you meant seventeen yeah twenty seventeen yeah. oh, apologies 
2017. So from, from summer 2017 to January 2018 were the highest days of crypto, basically. Yes. Yeah. It was crazy. I, I think I did, I looked at the historical price of, uh, um, I think, XVG, for example, one of the coins. And if you had put in like $100, for example, in January of 2017, if you bought just $100 worth of it, by December 31st, it was worth about a million dollars or something like that. I don't think what Listen, I bought... I bought XVG with about maybe 120 in yeah. July. XVG is one of the earliest investments I made. By December, that 120 was worth 22,000. Now, sell, 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 sell. So I was, like, I was feeling like a big girl. Like, look at me, look at my money, look at my money. Oh my, everything, pew. <laughs> everything, pew, pew, pew. Because I, I told you, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. So I was just yeah. looking at the numbers, feeling good with myself. The market crashed. I lost everything. The only thing I didn't lose in 2017 was my principal. I entered with 2000. When all the crash happened and everything, my account was probably worth like 4K. So I even made 2K extra. But at a point, my account was like well over maybe 280K. But I never cashed out because I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. I'm so sorry to swear. But no, it's that's like, fine. I yeah, I, I lost everything basically. And that's what crypto can do. You know, crypto can make you so much money, but if you don't know what you're doing, you lose it just as quickly. The market is not kind. It, it just does its own thing, so you have to be smart, yeah. Oh, yeah absolutely spot on. Wow, that's that's crazy. So where, where do you, for, those, for those of our listeners who will be listening to this, um, where do you think the market is right now in terms of... Um... We're, in a, we're in a bear market for sure. I think, I think possibly um, BTC is heading below 30. So mid-20s. Low teens, I mean high teens. I think BTC is definitely heading there, but um, that's just my thoughts. Obviously, this is not investment advice. You should always do your own research. You should always do. You should always do your own research. Yeah. Absolutely. But yeah. Absolutely. If you're looking, if you're looking to get into crypto, this is probably the best time. You know, because a lot of people are running. The best assets are at a heavy discount. So if you buy now. Again, non-investment advice. If you're interested, do your own research. But if you buy now and hold for a while. That's when, when you hold for a while, that's when you make the best gains if you're not interested in day trading or scalping. So if you buy some really stellar assets now, hold for like a year or two, that's where you have the best, you know, the best profits, for example. But I bought um, Aave in 2018. After the crash, I had like $22 left on Binance. I thought, mm, let me just buy this Lend because it was the cheapest thing on Binance at the time. Um, uh, that's how we had DeFi summer in 2022. My, my $22. I want you also imagine this with me. My $22 topped up at just under 3K. So if I had put like $1,000 in it, imagine. Oh, my, it's, it's happening everyone with money. <laughs> <laughs> wow. My $22 topped out at 2,000 pounds. I bought this asset. It was, it was called F-Lend, E-Lend rather, by, in 2018. Yeah. So I put $22 in it. So this summer, it made the change to Aave. And yeah, that $22 just went crazy. And I made a cool, a cool sum out of it, you know? So that's, if you hold for a while in a stellar asset or an asset, you understand what it's trying to do. Yeah. If you hold for a while, it will come good. It will come good, yeah. Okay. Um, I know that we're, we're really, really short time. I think we've just done about uh, seven to eight minutes already. And you, we're just going to be on for about 30 minutes or thereabout. Um, so I'll just move on. I'll just ask you. Yes, quick... apologies to your guest. I, I have a little party <laughs> happening in my house. So apologies. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Not a problem, not a problem. I'll just quickly ask one question and then I'll throw it open to to the other uh, co-host to see if, if you can, <clears throat> if you have any other question, just quickly, really. Um, so what are your, as a anti-money laundering person, what do you think are your concerns for cryptocurrency? Uh, what are your concerns for cryptocurrency? Yeah, that's one. And then two, um, what do you think about NFTs? Just quickly. Okay, I'll take the second question first. Yeah. Um, NFT stands for non-fungible tokens, right? So yeah. basically, it's a digitized ownership of digital assets. I think it's really young. The technology is really young right now. And I think if you haven't bought something in the very, very early days, you should chill and see where the tech is going. I think it's revolutionary tech in terms of owning any intellectual property that exists in the digital space. It's revolutionary, but I think it's very early days still. We're still figuring out the utility and the efficacy of this tech. So it's worth your while to wait and see where it's going, but also inform yourself as you're waiting. Maybe have your eye on a few things, but just chill. I wouldn't put my money in it right now because we don't know where it's going, but I'm certainly keeping an interest in the space, but I have not invested in any NFTs because I think they're overinflated because people don't understand it. So it's sort of like a gold rush right now, right? So just give it a few years, maybe next year when crypto wakes up again and more stellar artists and more stellar projects come online, the prices would be more reasonable. You, you would have had time to understand between now and then, then you go in. So yeah, I think NFTs are definitely going to be revolutionary to any intellectual property in the digital space. Um, so to your first question, um, you see, I don't have any worries about cryptocurrency that I don't have about fiat. That's regular money, right? The end goal of a money launderer is to integrate their funds into the financial services, into the financial system, rather. So anything that facilitates that integration is a worry from a money laundering perspective, right? So in order to get your money onto a crypto exchange, the ones that ask you for KYC, so your Binance, Bittrex, KuCoin, yeah. Gemini, you need KYC, so you need to submit your passport and proof of address. And they will only repatriate your funds into a proper bank account. So that way there's a trace. They know your identity. They put the money in your bank account. So if the tax people knock on their doors or the police knock on their doors, they can say, this individual made these trades and any profit realized was transferred to this account, right? That's for most retail investors. That would be the steps. But see, if you're looking to loan the money, even if you're, so for example, I can buy Bitcoin anywhere in the world. Yeah. Then move the Bitcoins onto an exchange, right? So instead, when I realize profit, instead of moving my money into my bank account, say I realize I turn my profit into USDT, that's the US dollar Tether. Yeah. Tether is a, is a cryptocurrency that's pegged to the US dollar. So one Tether equals one USD, right? One US dollar. Yeah. If I turn my profits into USDT, I don't have to repatriate into a normal account. I can then move my tether off that, send it to someone else who can either give me raw cash or move money in bits into my account. So they can never tell that I made any money from cryptocurrency or I integrated my money using cryptocurrency. But guess what? That loophole exists for fiat as well. So it's not new. The only thing crypto has over fiat is that it's naked. So every single transaction you can see on the blockchain Every single transaction is visible on the blockchain unless you use some privacy assets like Monero, like XHV, like Dero. Those ones are dark. You can't see them. Or you can even move your Bitcoins. You integrate it into other Bitcoins. So you move it little by little and you move it around so much that it's hard to trace. 
But guess what? The same thing exists for money. So I think from my concerns personally, it's just to make sure that the exchanges that deal in any jurisdiction ask for KYC. So it doesn't matter even if you make your funds in USDT and you move it out. Anytime some of the same thing that exists for fiat, so anytime someone makes a transaction of up to $10,000, you know, it's recordable, it's reportable. The same thing should occur in crypto. When someone uses even the, the, the stable currency, so USDT or USDC, they should still record it. So in case law enforcement or the regulators want to look into a particular account of the transaction history of a particular individual, the records are there. And like I said, most credible exchanges already have these mechanisms in place. The only thing that we don't have is solid regulation because the regulators are also trying to catch up with cryptocurrency. So they're not sure exactly what it is, where it is we're headed rather. Yeah. Fantastic. That's absolutely fantastic. Thanks for that. Um, but do you do you have any questions? Um, just yeah, so, considering. Yeah. So my my question is going to be on the same uh, the same topic. So um, obviously, like you said, we're still struggling with the um, the regulatory aspect of cryptocurrency, and um, I think most re- the most recent guidance we received from FinCEN in the US was that they were going to um, issue some specific guidance to reporting entities on cryptocurrency. And um, obviously it's going to sort of help um, mitigate the risk. But again, it looks like they are not going to, um, it doesn't look like they are going to be ahead of the game anytime soon. Now in Canada, we have the um, Canadian EML legislation that covers cryptocurrency now. You have to report, um, I think, 10,000 10, in um, uh, in crypto as large virtual currency. And um, you also have record keeping requirements as well. Now, where I'm going with my question is, do you think that we might start looking at the regulatory aspect in Nigeria or we are still going to maintain the status quo that we have now, which is to stay away from it? Um, Nigeria is one of the largest peer-to-peer markets for cryptocurrency, right? So the market is far ahead of the regulators. The regulators are either playing catch-up or they're playing possum. The market will move regardless of what the regulators do. It is in our interest, especially given how weak the Naira is. I advise people who are doing business, convert your assets into USDC at the very least. The regulators in Nigeria will have no choice but to catch up with cryptocurrency because when when the Naira tanks, as it's tanking, it's over 700 um, Naira to one GBP right now, people will want a more predictable, a more stable currency. So they're looking, I mean, you can you can transact in crypto from your phone. You don't need anything special. You, you know, Bitcoins buy, buy um, has its own stable currency, which is NGT. You can buy NGT. That's how they circumvent the ban. You can buy NGT, which is um, pegged against the Naira. Buy your NGT. That way you've got USDC or USDT. That opens the gateway of the crypto universe to you. And you're free to do what you want. So the regulators in Nigeria think that they're, they're being smart, but really they're, they're going to be forced to catch up rapidly because the way the market is moving, Nigeria is one of the biggest P2P uh, jurisdictions for cryptocurrencies. Excuse me, people are actively trading crypto by the hundreds of thousands every single day. The regulator will have no choice but to catch up. So instead of banning cryptocurrency or banning your financial services for integrating from integrating crypto funds, you need to work with them because clearly people need it. People are using it to buy from China, to buy from the US, to buy from the UK. 
to, to do peer-to-peer transactions, to do um, money transfers. People are using it. So our regulator needs to wake up and understand that even if there are no governing rules, there are no protections for your retail um, clients or your retail crypto users, people are willing to take the risk for the security or the seeming security of a cryptocurrency. So that's your USDT and your USDT already using it. So it behooves the regulator to wake up, especially retail investors from being burnt and from being taken advantage of. And work with exchanges like Bitcoins, Binance, KuCoins, the ones that operate in Nigeria, work with them to ensure that you've got your BVN, you've got, you can identify the end client or the purchasing clients, you can identify them at each step. That for me, in, in my own opinion, is the best thing to do because Nigerians are trading crypto by the numbers. Yeah. Uh, yeah, thank you so much for that. Stanley, you got anything on this topic before we move to the next? Yeah, um, quick one question, you know, you, when Mondu was speaking, he was talking about um, the US regulation and Canada um, you know, and you did say that even the US, um, they're not exactly sure uh, or what they're doing won't be enough to, you know, sort of regulate or catch up or, you know, sort of formalize this whole process. And I'm just, I was just wondering, isn't that the same situation that the Nigerian Central Bank is in? Um, all of the regulators are, um, you know, all struggling to catch up with a fast moving um, currency move, uh, you know, if I will use the word movement. So, is, is CBR really behind? I think that, that the only side they've heard on is saying they, they are banning it, right? They are almost at the same level as their counterparts around the world. I'm, I'm just wondering, that's, isn't that the that's a great that's a, that's a great question. But if you know now that in Canada, in the US, in the United Kingdom, the consultation paper has been issued every week almost. Consulting crypto, the biggest crypto players, what are the weaknesses you see? How can the regulator better serve this industry in protecting retail investors and in protecting this nascent, this growing technology? Because the end goal is not to cripple the technology, but to ensure that terrorists and people who mean harm don't have easy and free access to move money all over the world, right? That's their primary interest. In the US, once you're pegging anything against the dollar or you're using the dollar for anything, or you're in their jurisdiction, obviously they have regulatory rights over you. So Binance can't operate in the US, for example. Gemini had to be approved and regulated before it could operate. So that means that you agree to basic KYC principles. You identify your customer at the very least, right? So to me, given where the Naira is and given how crypto has filled the gap for predictable transactions and whatever, it shows you that there's a need that crypto is serving for the Nigerian audience. So the very least for me, what the CBN should have done is to have a sit down with Binance and say, all the clients coming from this jurisdiction, you need their BVN at the very least. You need to identify them at the very least. Work with Binance and work with the banks. So in, if there's a criminal that's using crypto to move funds around, if you can't identify them, how are you gonna stop the flow of funds? The banks are not allowed to receive crypto money. The exchanges are not allowed to operate in Nige. So people are just doing straight up peer to peer. You don't understand who's sending the money. You don't understand who's receiving the money. You don't have an overview. You don't have an insight into those things, yeah? So that, for me, is actually the, is actually the, the number one issue that's facing our regulators right now. I think it's a technology they should embrace and not shy away from. But that, that's a good question. Thank you. Um, so um, thank you so much for that. So we'll just be... 
I just want to move on to the next part of our conversation. And um, it's centered around um, women's rights uh, and your, your, your thoughts on it. Um, I've seen recently, you know, in the light of, you know, recent <clears throat> events, um, well, even apart from that, um, I remember, I think I read one of your tweets where you said that you're not really all for feminism, you're more about womanism. I'm, I'm not sure if I got that right. So first of all, what, what is womanism and what, and how is that different from feminism in your, you know, in your point of view? Um, can you hear me well? Can you yes. hear me well? Okay, yes. excellent. I can hear you clearly, sorry. Yeah. Excellent, excellent. Um, womanism for me is really about the relationship ultimately between men and women because we share this planet together, right? So it's everything feminism is about with the added inclusion of the relationship between men and women, right? So I'm so sorry, I'm outside. I was trying to get away from the noise in my flat. But I seem to have encountered even more noise outside. <laughs> yes. That's why I can hear you. Can hear you. <laughs> Excellent. So womanism really looks at the historical, um, the historical disadvantages that black people have suffered. So the black people includes men and women, Africans in the diaspora. So that's continental Africans, Africans in the US, in the Caribbean, in South America, etc. So womanism includes race as well as gender. Does that make sense? Absolutely, it does absolutely make sense. So, so essentially, that so womanism, if I if I get you correctly, um, covers. But it's not just women alone. It's just it's women and men, but of the black race. Is that am I right? So it's everything feminism stands for: the the social, cultural, legal inclusion and equality of women. Right. Right. as well as the added element of the racial injustice factors. So when people talk about the patriarchy, yeah, it's funny because you can't really have a lot of these conversations on social media. Black men on their own, yeah, black men on their own cannot be part of the patriarchy because ultimately they don't have the power. That's not to say black men cannot be misogynistic or sexist, <laughs> but they are not part of the patriarchy because they don't have the powers that I'm talking only in the Western society, not in Nigeria. Yeah. They are not part of the patriarchy because they don't have the power that fuels the patriarchy. So that's political power, economic power, okay. cultural and social power. They don't really have it. So that's why they're excluded from, if you really want to go deep, that's why they're excluded from the patriarchy. Right. But that's not to say that they're not misogynistic or sexist though. But in order to get to the place where we want to get to, whereas women are equal before the law in culture and in customs, you cannot, we cannot, as women, solve the problem on our own because most, we are involved in raising men, we are involved in loving men, we are involved in having children with men. So that's where feminism differs from, uh, uh, womanism differs from feminism. It's saying you have to take a holistic look at this thing. Do you understand? Men and boys need to be raised better and women are involved in that. That's why we also have to involve men in this our struggle. That's not to say that it's somehow easier because men will be men at the end, at the end of the day. <laughs> but that's where feminism is sort of, feminism is sort of crafted from this. Because if you look at the beginning of the suffragettes movement, black women were not included. 
Do you understand? Black women were not included. So that's why Alice Walker said, and she said it best, feminism is to, no, excuse me, womanism is to feminism as lavender is to purple. So that is to say, lavender is a derivative of purple. Feminism is a derivative of womanism because womanism includes both genders being better so that one gender can be the best. You know, because right now women don't have I mean, that's why feminism is still relevant, because we're still fighting for our rights. We're still fighting for the rights to live, the right to go to school, the right for um, our female children not to be mutilated, et cetera, et cetera. But who holds the societal powers? It's men. So instead of us saying men, 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 it's like, OK, listen, you're holding all these things. We need in on that. And you're wrong. So in order to fix this wrong, you have to be an active participant in writing those wrongs. You cannot just sit on the side and wait for women to do the work and say, okay, the work is done. You also have to question yourself. You also have to contribute to the fight. That's what that's what separates um, womanism from feminism for me. Yeah. Fantastic. So is there a place for allies? Because I, I know in movements like this, we also talk about allyship. So is there a place for say like uh, um, non-black women or other races in this fight? Is there a place for... You know, they, there's feminism. There's feminism for that. That's it. Womanism is specifically looking at the at the confluence, at the intersection of race and gender. gender yeah. Do you understand? Yeah. Not everything, everything doesn't have to involve everybody. Like you just find the one that fits you and get in there. You don't have to have space here. Do you get me? You know, we're all fighting for the same goals where we can, our approaches can be different. It's fine. Fantastic. All right, okay, I'll leave the floor now for Mondu or Stan. Any one of you wants to go first? Stan, uh, you can go. Yeah, so um, maybe I, I want to take like um, a bit of different approach, which is, and I know that is, is a scary topic to get into, is the whole trans, um, trans issue, which has cost quite a big... I, I anticipated this one. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Is it scary for me to ask a question? I'm even very scared, you know. Um, but, but I just... This is this is one area that I still haven't understood where the world stands on, and which is um, trans women and women as it relates to sports, competitive sports, right? Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. if, if you remember like a, um, a few years ago, maybe three, four years ago, there's the, the South African lady. Or, Casta. You know, what's her name again? Samaya, I think Samaya. I'm careful not to misgender anyone. Samaya, yeah. Samaya, yeah. You know, her, you know, her participation, I think it was Samaya, yeah, in the Olympics, right? And um, there's the news recently of the Australian who has been cleared, um, you know, to participate in the women um, uh -huh. uh, competition at the Olympics as well. And I'm just, uh -huh. and I'm just there wondering, are we going to? Is this going to be sort of like a trend where um, trans women are going to take over the women competition? And I think this sort of this is also sort of in line with how you were trying to differentiate between womenism and feminism. Okay. Is, is this something so to worry I, about? I, I, I understand your question. And it's a big, big, if you follow me on Twitter, you know it's a big, big concern of mine, right? So I'll start off by saying this, and I don't care mm -hmm. who, whose ox is God. Trans women are a subset of men. 
trans men are a subset of women. Okay, I do not believe that a trans woman is a woman. I believe a trans woman is a trans woman. And transness is a subset of the original biological gender. If you look at Nigeria, you have the Endowda. The Endowda have existed for hundreds of years. They don't try to say, oh, in order to accept us, in order to validate us, you must pretend that we're women. The space for gender, for them to be a different gender, to represent themselves the way they want exists in language and in fact. If you look at South, um, uh, uh, the South Pacific, you've got what they call the Ifafafine. The Ifafafine are men who are more feminine and they present that way. And they don't say, oh, in order for you to accept us, you must call us women. If you look at South Asia, you've got the um, Hajra. The Hajra have existed once again for hundreds of years. People know that they're men who prefer a more feminine presentation. They're there. If you now go to Thailand, where they even did the full surgery, sometimes you look at a person, you won't even know that this person was ever a man in their life. But guess what? They are called ladyboys. Their space and the culture exists, and nobody's fighting to say, in order to say, oh, ladyboys are human, you have to call them women. Because the, the human biology is complicated, but it's complicated, but it's complicated in a space where in order for us to exist, we have to widen, not tighten. You cannot, in, on the one hand, tell me gender is a spectrum, but on the other hand, tell me in order for me to validate you, I have to lie to you and tell you that you're a woman. I refuse to do that. Okay, that's one. Two, in the sports arena, I love everything that's happening. I love it. Because ultimately, women's sports exist because women cannot compete with men. We need, a, in, for example, the, the USA team, World Cup winners, though, at least three or four times. They played a group of 15-year-old boys. They were thrashed. They were thrashed. Thrashed. These are not like championship boys or anything. They're just regular 15-year-olds. They were thrashed. So now you want to tell me that um, somebody who's a man that has now decided that he's a woman should be compete. Look, many women's sports only gained official recognition in the last 50 years some even in the last 30 years. You've got collegiate experiences in the US that, would, that only started in the 70s, right? And there's space for men's sports. There's always been space for men's sports. You wanna tell me that we understand the need to create gendered sports, but all of a sudden someone will put on lipstick and a dress and say he's a woman, and we should now shift the women and put him there. I think the issue is we need to understand that there's nothing wrong with being a trans person. There's nothing wrong with being transsexual. But we also need to further stop lying to ourselves in saying that the only way you can validate, in quotes, a trans person's experience is to say that they're now their new gender. Biology does not change. You can pop all the medicine you want. You were born a man, you remain a man. Now you can be a more female presenting man but you were born a man, you remain a man, and you need to compete, as far as I am concerned, in your biological gender, which is girls versus girls, boys versus boys, because ultimately it's girls and women that will lose out, because these people are coming on our turf. They're not going, how many times have you heard trans men trying to fight men, or run against men, or box against men, or play football? Like, you haven't heard it, because trans men just don't pose the same threat, because ultimately they are women, and physically, physically we are not as strong. That's it. But every week you hear one new athlete who's decided that he's a woman, wanted to compete against women. For what? Then what is the point of gender sports? You might as well say, okay, all you men and all you men who want to run, oh yeah, making an entire field together. And whoever wins, wins. 
because this is the end of gender sports if we allow this. So I am strongly against it, but I strongly support the rights of trans people to live as they want to live. I just refuse to repeat the lie that trans men are women. Trans women are women because they are not. They are what they are, trans women, which is a subset of maleness. That's it. So how do we accommodate, so, you know, focus on sports. Are we going to, are we going to get to that point where we have to create a, a separate category for trans? To me, there's no, to me, there's no issue. There's no issue. To me, there is absolutely no issue. Because the people who are saying that they're trans now, they already have a category. That's the male category. This Laura Hobbes, the New Zealand person that's been going to lift weights. Yeah. The, the male weight, like weightlifting category already exists. So why do we need to create a third one? We don't need to create a third one. Go and join your fellow men and lift against them. When you finish competing in sports and you want to present yourself as a woman in society, that's your business. But for competition purposes, people should have to compete under their original gender. And the Cassie Mania case is a bit difficult because she's, she was born without ovaries without any female reproductive organ, but she has testes, right? So she has the male reproductive organ. But what happened was, you know, when you're in the womb and your body forms, there was a malfunction. So she got what looks like a female sexual organ, not reproductive organ, sexual organ. But internally, she is male. She's from a poor South African family. They didn't consult a doctor and raise this individual as a man or whatever. They raised her as a woman. So Casta Samaya has all the belief, in my opinion, the rightful belief that she's a woman. I don't, I don't have any problems in saying Casta Samaya is a woman. She, is not, she did not go and do trans. That's how she was raised. On the outward, that's how her body presents. The issue now is she produces way more testosterone than your average woman. So how do you protect women's sports? You have to take very, very difficult, heartbreaking decisions. And in Casta's case, I really feel for her. But I think the decision for her not to compete is the right one. You have to protect women's sports. I'm sorry. And I think protecting the larger goal of women having a fair level playing field to compete, to me, is far more important, unfortunately. And this breaks my heart to say that individual cases. I feel for Casta, but I think protecting women's spaces is far more important. And that's my take on that. That, it, it, it's funny, isn't it? Just, just to add to what you said, it's not, it's not a question. It's just a comment, really. It's funny, isn't it, that the ban on, on one side, Casta Samoya was, was banned. I hope I'm pronouncing her name correctly. Um, but we're now having cases of, you know, trans. Um, well, they have to lower. So Casta Samoya wasn't banned. Oh, okay. Her well, testosterone is too high to compete in particular categories, right? If, if, if you look at the news recently, the same case, people who suffer, I think it's CDC or CDS some kind of sexual um, disorder, sexual reproductive disorder, right? So it's sort of, you present as one gender, but internally you might be another gender, gender. right? Yeah. So that you produce too much testosterone. Casta has been asked to lower her testosterone within the range that female testosterone is. She has refused. So she wants mm. to compete in the 500 meters, but she did not qualify. 5,000 meters, I think it is rather. 5,000 or 500, I don't remember. But she did not qualify. So they didn't ban her. They say you can either low, choose to lower your testosterone, which is hard because it involves medication. It's hard. Who wants to be pumping their body full of... Or you can compete in this one race, but not these other races. So she tried to qualify for that race. She didn't make it. Do you understand? 
So that's the issue at hand. So if in order for a, a, a transsexual individual to compete against women, you have to artificially lower your testosterone. But testosterone is only one of the markers. There's also physical strength as well. So a lot, in my opinion, a lot of trans women are going to start entering the competitions that require strength. So that's your hammer, your shot put, your javelin, your weightlifting, et cetera, et cetera. And I like it. I like it because it will force us to make a decision once and for all. Is women's sports worth protecting or not? So I need more trans people to come forward so we can make that decision now and make it once and for all. Yeah. You don't mind me asking on a personal level, have you been cancelled for this? Uh, they've they've cancelled me 20,000 times. Who cares? I don't pay my bills. I don't care. <laughs> it hasn't caused, yeah, no, one has, no one has tried to affect, because I know that when... But you, but you follow me on Twitter, Manny. You know. You know how these people do. Every I know. Time I that's that's what I'm saying. You know, like, <laughs> stuff like so, that. So, someone will go to my LinkedIn, but my LinkedIn is not up to date, so let them know. Smart. <laughs> <laughs> I have to protect myself somehow, you know. <laughs> uh, that, it's sad, though. It's sad that we can't have we can't have a conversation, you know, about this kind of issues without there being, um, you know, that you know the kind of blowback that you know result in people losing their livelihoods. Um, um, has anyone else got? I mean, this could go on and on, but obviously we know that you've got guests. Um, has anyone else got any? questions before we round up so I can let Tola go back to her guest no I think yeah I think Tola Tola has to go back to her guest Tola, 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 has, Tola has proven you know what this podcast has proven because she said 30 podcast. minutes and it's 38 yeah. minutes right so <laughs> what 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 this what this particular episode has proven is that we don't need to we, we don't you don't necessarily need to have it as long as we normally do because we normally take our time you know, 100%. Like over an hour. no but I, I owe you I owe you another episode I will sit down with talk but as long as you require, I owe you another episode. I promise. Yeah. It's just I've got guests and I need to get back to them. But I'll yeah. definitely attend again once you yeah. invite me. Definitely. Yeah. Okay, so and before, it, and I yeah think sorry. Uh, back, and I think I think we need to get back to this topic as well. Yeah, sorry? definitely, definitely, and we we also need to talk about um, AML as well. So when when next you have the chance, you oh yeah, I'll be really really interested. Okay, definitely, definitely, definitely speak to that. So one of the questions, two, two questions I normally, we normally like to ask, you know, our guests, you know, it's kind of, you know, just something that we asked towards the end of the podcast is one, uh, what is the kindest thing that, well, I've, I've just added one of them, to be honest. Uh, what is the kindest <laughs> thing that someone has done for you? And then two, you're the president, you'll make the president of Nigeria today. What is the one thing that you're doing? What is the singular um, policy that everything else would, would work around. So two questions. What's the kindest? Um, I think the kindest thing someone has done for me, and it's not just one person, it's my friends, right? It's to give me the grace because I'm easily misunderstood. I'm a very passionate person. I'm quite malmighty. So you either fuck with me or you don't. So I, I'm really grateful that I have the kind of friends that give me the grace, even when they don't understand me, to hear me out to see what I'm saying. And they will say to me, I don't agree, but I see where you're coming from. I think that grace to be myself fully without having to, you know, pander to what's popular or, or sort of self-censor. I think that is the kindest thing my friends have done for me. And I try to pay it forward by giving people that same grace to, to talk to me, regardless of what the subject matter is without judgment. So I think that's the kindest thing that I received in my life. And I'm super grateful to Oshun for that. 
If I was the president of Nigeria today, first thing I would do is to decentralize governance if the power was within my hands. But if I can't do that by fiat, I would do, I would scrap NYSC. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, that's good. Well, <laughs> on that note, um, we will say goodbye to you. Thank you so much for coming, uh, Tala. Uh, it's, been, it's been a very, very, very informative and very educating podcast. Um, thank you so much for coming. And definitely, we want to have you back again to have a proper conversation, uh, you know, a longer, not not proper, this was proper. For sure. A longer for sure. one. <laughs> for sure. um, thank you. Thank you thank so much for having me. Coming. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, so there you have it, guys. Um, this is the end of another episode. I um, want to thank our usual co-host for coming, Mondiu and Stan. Um, and one thank you to our, our guest Tola for thank you thank you so much have a lovely evening with your guest and um, yeah by the way nice house <laughs> oh thank you thank you so much thank you I'm much obliged thank you alright alright so, take care guys bye right, bye